Trump becomes the first president to be impeached twice as bipartisan majority charges him with inciting capital right. Right. And feel free to give your thoughts as to whether or not he caused it or not. So President Donald Trump, a man hyper aware of his achievements and place in history, added a first to his record on Wednesday. A week before he will leave office, Trump became the first president impeached by the House twice. The chamber charged him with high crimes and misdemeanors for inciting an insurrection at the U.S. Capitol seven days ago. The president's behavior in the 13 months since the first impeachment left House Democrats making a more clear-cut case than the first time around. And again, this article is from CNBC, and I'm basically commentating on it, just to let anyone know. The chamber charged Trump in a 232-197 vote as, well, basically a 232-197 vote as all Democrats and 10 Republicans backed the measure. See, the thing that scares me about this, right, with this vote, is not the fact that Republicans were to vote, right? It's that every single Democrat decided to vote in favor of it. That's what kind of like disturbs me, because anytime you have a whole group thinking the exact same thing, is like a single fish leading a whole school of fish. It's a scary thing because they could lead straight into the mouth of a killer whale or straight into the mouth of one of those, uh, maybe a blue whale. Although I think blue whales eat plankton, I think. I don't know. But either way, like leading a whole group like this is a little bit disturbing. It doesn't really bode well for the future. So the four-page article of impeachment the chamber approved on Wednesday argues Trump fed his supporters months of false claims that widespread fraud cost him the 2020 election, then urged them to contest the results before they marched to the Capitol and disrupted Congress' count of President-elect Joe Biden's win. Now, to be frank, right, and feel free to give your thoughts, right, now there was definitely fraud engaged into this election, but was there enough fraud that cost the like winning of Trump, right? Like did it was there enough fraud to cost him the win? I don't know about that. Many people might assume there was. Many assume that there wasn't. The only thing is for anyone to say that there is no widespread fraud, that is also disturbing. Right, because that's not factually correct. There is definitely different spots around the nation where there was fraud produced, right? And the thing is, this happens every single election, in every election, right? But just because it happens in every single election doesn't necessarily mean there is enough of it to actually cause Trump to lose. Now, I'm not saying he lost or one well didn't win basically because of this whole fraud thing i'm just saying that for someone to say that there is literally no fraud evidence that's not being honest with the whole situation so he threatened the integrity of the democratic system interfered with the peaceful transition of power and imperiled a co 
branch of government. He thereby betrayed his trust as president to manifest injury of the people of the United States. The House's charging document reads, After the insurrection that killed at least five people, including a Capitol Police officer, Democrats have argued allowing Trump to serve out his term both lets him dodge consequences and raises the prospect of more violence before Biden's inauguration. And the thing is, right, the way I see this stuff, right, because I don't care about the left or the right, the thing that I don't like about this whole situation is that they went so hard on the rioters at the Capitol, right? Like, they reacted so hard to them. The media went after them on, like, everyone and didn't really care, like, whose face was being, like, tossed out there. And they're just basically like, oh, let's find out who this person is. Oh, let's find out who that person is, right? While at the same time, for months, the same people, the same media organizations completely basically covered up the whole Black Lives Matter riots, right? And, like, that's not even, like, an opinion. They literally did that, right? So to me, I don't like people being hypocrites regardless of the situation. Like, look, if you're going to go against and talk bad about riots, talk about every single riot. Don't just talk about a single riot because they disagree with your viewpoint, right? And... Look, what happened at the Capitol is horrible, right? It's very disappointing that this happened. But at the same time, what's the difference between this riot and the Black Lives Matter riot? Just because the two have different viewpoints and they're doing it for different reasons doesn't mean one is better than the other. They're both bad, right? But I just don't like how all these people and all these companies are just saying, oh, this is bad, but the not even bringing up the fact that they literally protected and also bailed out rioters. <laughs> so how can you talk bad about rioters just because they're on the different side? It's just, it's just so annoying. Still, Congress likely will not have enough time to push the president out of office before next week, even if the now GOP-held Senate chooses to convict him, which McConnell might very well do, right? So Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell said after the House vote that the upper chamber would not start the trial until our first regular meeting following receipt of the article from the House, Tuesday at the earliest. The timeline means the impeachment proceedings will likely drag into Biden's term, which starts January 20th. Even if the Senate process were to begin this week and move promptly, no final verdict would be reached until after President Trump had left office, McConnell said in a statement Wednesday. This is not a decision I am making. It is a fact. Democrats urged Vice President Mike Pence in the cabinet to start the faster process of removing Trump through the 25th Amendment. Pence refused, arguing in a letter Tuesday to House Speaker Nancy Pelosi that the move is not in the best interest of our nation or consistent with our Constitution. So now, again, I want to bring this up. They are wanting to, well, they actually did impeach Trump, right? Like they're going through the whole process. And they're doing this because of a single riot. But Trump technically had not really any actual, like, like the way I would put it, 
Trump didn't necessarily have any hand in directly either supporting these people or telling them, them to basically go riot, right? Whereas Kamala, quite literally, and I mean literally, raised funds to bail out rioters. So I don't like how this is so hypocritical because if they do this and continue to do this with Trump, shouldn't they also do this to Kamala and Biden for doing technically worse things when it comes down to rioting and supporting rioting, right? And like Biden didn't even admit that basically rioting was actually going on in the debates, right? So I... I just find this very disturbing because you start to see how like one viewpoint is basically infecting the highest powers of government and you need different viewpoints, right? This is another reason why I was so disturbed by literally every single Democrat voting for this, right? Like you want there to be basically to be peace within the nation and yet you are doing this basically disenfranchising 70 plus million people who ended up voting for Trump, right? Like this is a super dangerous thing to do because that's a small group of people that actually ended up doing the whole capital riot thing compared to the amount of people that actually supported Trump. Like if you were to actually do like a ratio of the whole thing or a percentage of it, it's a massive, massive number difference. Now, Pelosi opened the impeachment debate on the House floor Wednesday and argued the country cannot risk leaving the president in power. He must go. He is a clear and present danger to the nation we all love, she said. Although, again, the whole hypocritical thing, right? And again, I don't care about left or right. How can she say something like this, right? We're like, oh, this is a nation that we all love, right? He's a danger, right, to the nation. Whereas she literally postponed COVID stimulus just so that Biden could technically get brownie points for stimulus, right? Like she literally like was on camera talking about this where she didn't want to push through the stimulus while Trump was still president, right? Like... I just don't like hypocrites trying to say one thing and do another thing and say a completely different thing, completely, you know, ignoring the fact that they themselves were a danger or did something that they are accusing someone or blaming someone for. Though a handful of Republicans voted to impeach Trump, the vast majority of GOP representatives opposed the effort after the attack on the Capitol. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy said Wednesday that Trump bears responsibility for the riot but called impeachment a mistake without an investigation or hearings. A vote to impeach will further divide the nation, which I agree. A vote to impeach will further fan the flames of partisan division, which again I agree, he said, calling for a resolution to censure Trump. Once the House sends the impeachment article to the Senate, the upper chamber has to quickly start a trial. It then would vote on whether to convict Trump. The House plans to send the article across the Capitol immediately. 
and Majority Leader Steny Hoyer told NBC News on Wednesday. The Senate plans to reconvene on January 19th. Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer, DNY, has argued McConnell can use emergency powers to bring the chamber back sooner. While the Senate may not have enough time to remove the president from office, it can stop him from becoming president again in 2025. He could also lose perks given to former presidents. In making the case for Trump's conviction of this in the Senate, Pelosi called a vote in the upper chamber a constitutional remedy that will ensure that the republic will be safe from this man who is so resolutely determined to tear down the things that we hold dear and that hold us together. A Congress on edge after the insurrection threatened lawmakers' lives went to work in an unrecognizable environment Wednesday. Enhanced fortifications stood outside the Capitol, National Guard members slept overnight in the halls of the legislature and Capitol Visitors Center. Lawmakers had to go through a metal detector to get on the House floor, prompting outrage from some Republicans after it was put in place Tuesday. The first time the House impeached Trump, only one congressional Republican, Mitt Romney of Utah, joined Democrats in trying to remove the president. Former Rep. Justin Amash, an ex-Republican who became an independent, also voted to charge Trump in 2019. The Capitol insurrection made more GOP lawmakers willing to boot their party's president from office, according to various sources. Now, it is kind of like assumed that maybe 20 Republicans might vote for impeachment of Trump. Will that actually happen? I don't know. Because the thing is, a lot of these lawmakers are not in tune with the people that put them in there, right? Because there's going to be a lot of Trump supporters that are probably going to leave the Republican Party if a lot of these Republicans end up voting against Trump. Now, I'm not stating Trump is great or not great. I'm just saying Republicans are in a very peculiar situation right now where if they don't vote carefully, they may never get power ever again, right? Because if Trump supporters, basically the majority of Trump supporters, are Republicans, right? Now, not all of them, but most of them are Republicans, and they kind of are sick of the Republican Party. If these Republicans go against Trump, you know, and basically most of the 70-plus million people that voted for Trump probably still would vote for him again, you can kind of see how this could get a little dicey for them. Now, the GOP lawmakers who voted to charge Trump on Wednesday include Republican Liz Cheney of Wyoming, the third-ranking member of the GOP caucus. There has never been a greater betrayal by a president of the United States of his office and his oath to the Constitution, she said in a statement Tuesday of Trump's behavior before and after the attack. The other Republicans who voted to charge the president are Republicans John Kotko of New York, Adam Kinzinger of Illinois, Fred Upton of Michigan, Jamie Herrera Bootler of Washington, Dan Newhouse of Washington, Peter Major of Michigan, Anthony Gonzalez of Ohio, Tom Rice of South Carolina, and David Valado, Valadeo of California. No Senate Republicans have yet said they will vote to remove Trump. 
The New York Times reported Tuesday that McConnell believes Trump committed impeachable offenses. In a Wednesday message to colleagues responding to speculation in the press, McConnell said he had not decided whether to back impeachment. I have not made a final decision on how I will vote, and I intend to listen to the legal arguments when they are presented to the Senate. He wrote. Two GOP senators, Lisa Murkowski of Alaska and Pat Toomey of Pennsylvania, have called on Trump to resign, and Senator Ben Sass, our basically Republican of I think Nebraska, has said he would consider whatever article the House sends across the Capitol. The president has not taken any responsibility for the Capitol invasion. On Tuesday, he defended himself, saying people thought what I said was totally appropriate. He also said impeachment is causing tremendous danger to our country and is causing tremendous anger. Lawmakers have sounded the alarm about the potential for further insurrection, including on the day of Biden's inauguration. Trump responded to those concerns in a statement Wednesday that nonetheless neglected to address his supporters specifically. In light of reports of more demonstrations, I urge that there must be no violence, no lawbreaking, and no vandalism of any kind. He said, "That is not what I stand for. It is not what America stands for. I call on all Americans to help ease tensions and calm tempers." Thank you. Some Republicans suggested Trump would learn a lesson and rein in his behavior after the first impeachment. Other GOP lawmakers came to the conclusion this week that they cannot trust him to take accountability for his actions. But also, you got to understand too that the GOP has never actually liked Trump from the very beginning, because if you recall during the his run to become president, literally. Almost every single GOP person, right, basically tried to put him down, saying that he was never going to be able to become president. And well, what do you know? He became president. So one Republican, Republican Fred Upton of Michigan, cited Trump's lack of remorse for helping to incite the Capitol riot and saying he would vote to impeach the president. Today, the president characterized his inflammatory rhetoric at last Wednesday's rally as totally appropriate, and he expressed no regrets for last week's violent insurrection at the U.S. Capitol. This sends exactly the wrong signal to those of us who support the very core of our democratic principles and took a solemn oath to the Constitution, he said in a statement Tuesday. And feel free to give your thoughts as to, you know, do you think Trump incited this, or do you think he did not? What do you think of this whole situation, right? Do you think any of these people are hypocrites? Because I personally think that pretty much every single politician is a hypocrite, and that's why I really don't like polit- politician or even politics, to be frank. Because when you got the way I see it, right, and you if you listen to this or watch this in, in the future and all that, the way you should view the president. Okay, respect that position. You don't gotta like the person, right? Regardless if it's Trump or Biden, just respect the position. But understand, for the most part, that position is just a figurehead, right? Because when it comes down to the brass tacks of it, what you do every day is really due to your choices, right? Like. People in the Washington are like in you know the White House, right? 
isn't really going to have an immediate impact on your day-to-day life, right? Unless this country goes completely crazy, right, and basically breaks the whole system, right, to where either become far right or far left or, you know, non-existent, right, or basically we have, you know, the communist flag of China over the whole country, right, because China would be pretty happy to just rule over the whole world, right? I think that's probably their main goal is just to take over everything. Because they, this is the difference between China and the United States. The United States tends to take over things by force at the cost of their own country, right? Whereas China tends to invest into countries to basically take over their economies, right? So that's the way you got to really look at this thing. It's like when it comes down to it, your personal day-to-day life is not going to be affected too much by who the president is. Now, your local community, your local lawmakers, that would probably have a more direct impact on your life. But a president, not so much, right? A Senate person, not so much. Maybe the Supreme Court, maybe, right? Depending on what's going to go to them. If something even goes to them, right? So it's just one big pile of nonsense. The way I see. lost password separates San Francisco programmer from two hundred and twenty million dollars in Bitcoin. A San Francisco programmer has two guesses left to figure out a password to his digital wallet that contains two hundred and twenty million dollars worth of Bitcoin, part of an estimated one hundred and forty billion dollar worth of tokens that are lost or inaccessible. By the way, if you want to invest into cryptocurrency in a safe manner, you could either join Robinhood or Coinbase down below in the description, both of which, if you put about $100 into each of those, you actually get like a small amount of Bitcoin from Coinbase and you'll get a free stock worth up to $500 from Robinhood. So Stephen Thomas is locked out of his small hard drive that contains passwords to access 7,002 bitcoins as first reported by the New York Times. The cryptocurrency has seen a recent boom and rallied to a record high of $41,946 last week, up more than 50% from the record it set last month. Bitcoin owners carry private keys that are required for moving or spending purposes, which This wouldn't be a problem if you were to use something like Robinhood or Coinbase. The decentralized autonomous nature of Bitcoin is part of the appeal, but it also means that there is no record of passwords or a company to help owners retrieve them if lost, right? Although, again, if you were to use more mainstream apps, right, like Coinbase or Robinhood to buy Bitcoin, right, because Bitcoin is so mainstream now, I would prefer people to do that just because it is easier for them to get back into it like after like a year of not even using it, right? Because that's what happened to me with one of, well, basically I invested a small amount into Bitcoin just for, I believed in it, but I didn't have much money to actually do much into it. But I logged back into it pretty recently. I was like, oh, okay, cool. It's actually doing pretty well. And I haven't like looked at this for a very long time. Thomas said his device allows for 10 guesses, and he has already used 8, a brutal reality that is translated to years of regret. 
I hope others can learn from my mistakes the German-born programmer wrote on Twitter. Test your backups regularly to make sure they are still working. An ounce of foresight could have prevented a decade of regret. Thomas isn't the only one with stranded riches. Honestly, this would be actually bigger than a decade of regret because if he ends up failing it two more times, I would think that's a lifetime and a generational time for him of regret because that amount of money could literally change generations of your family. So Bitcoin blog chain... Yeah, Chain Ellisis estimates nearly one in five Bitcoins are permanently lost, which is valued at nearly $140 billion. Thomas was given the 7,002 tokens in 2011 while living in Switzerland. A Bitcoin fan gave it to him for making an animated video called What is Bitcoin? He told the Times he was initially drawn to the currency because it was not controlled by a country or company, though he now recognizes the perils of being your own bank. Yeah, you could lose the password to your own account. This whole idea of being your own bank, let me put it this way, do you make your own shows, he said. The reason we have banks is that we don't want to deal with all those things banks do. I agree. Visa abandons a $5.3 billion played acquisition in the face of a DOJ antitrust suit. So the United States Department of Justice saw a victory in a major fintech acquisition case that could set the stage for a host of antitrust enforcements. On Tuesday, the DOJ announced that Visa and Played had called it quits on their planned merger. Originally announced almost exactly a year ago, Visa was planning to pay $5.3 billion for the upstart tech firm. Imagine if a company... Just like came to you after you like you created something that you're like, oh, this is like a passion project kind of thing. Like, oh, this is so cool. I want to help the world. And then they just slap you with $5.3 billion, right? Like just imagine that happened to you. You just started getting slapped by Visa. Like, oh, here, here, here's the money, all right? Play's ubiquitous software is designed to connect disparate systems of financial data securely. In its November 2020 complaint, the DOJ alleged that Visa was using the acquisition to snuff out competition. Today, Makan Daram of the DOJ's antitrust division said, Visa, which has immense power in online debit in the United States, has extracted billions of dollars from those transactions. Now that Visa has abandoned its anti-competitive merger, Played and other future fintech innovators are free to develop potential alternatives to Visa's online debit services. With more competition, consumers can expect lower prices and better services. Tech in general has been at the center of turbulent debates over antitrust violations. Shortly before his case against Visa, the DOJ filed an antitrust suit against Google. Meanwhile, the Federal Trade Commission is suing Facebook. In both cases, the governing bodies argue that the platforms use their access to competitor data and ability to direct buyer traffic to corner the market. But U.S. antitrust mostly derives from the 1890 Sherman Act, which hardly anticipated data becoming the new oil, when oil had not even become the new oil. Meanwhile, for the past two decades, major tech platforms have been the 
wonderkinder of the American economy, leaving most public officials hesitant to slow the roll. That special status has come under fire of late, especially since 2016. What we're witnessing now is a major rearment of the U.S. antitrust apparatus for a new age. They're just, you know, a few years kind of behind. Elon Musk spends just four days as the world's richest man before Tesla stock nosedives by almost eight percent, wiping nearly fourteen billion dollars from his net worth. So Elon Musk was the richest person in the world for about four days, overtaking Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos for the number one slot on Thursday, before Tesla stock nosedived on Monday and then wiped out nearly fourteen billion dollars in the company's value. So Musk's net worth eclipsed one hundred and eighty-eight point five billion dollars on Thursday, thanks to a six percent surge of Tesla stock on Thursday. So the previous day, the electric car maker saw its shares climb more than four point six percent. At the time, Bezos' net worth was estimated to be one hundred and eighty-seven billion dollars. But on Monday, Tesla stock dropped precipitously. Shares of Tesla fell almost eight percent on Monday, the largest one-day dip since late September. According to Forbes, Musk's net worth dropped to $176.2 billion, nearly $6 billion less than that of the 57-year-old Bezos. As of midday on Tuesday, however, Musk, 49, appears poised to regain the title of the world's richest person.、And、the thing that you got to look at this right is that it goes to show you that one of the most important things for anyone to invest in. For like their future personal financial goals, right, is assets, right? Specifically, here is stocks, right? Now you should also do real estate as well, but stocks can just escalate your net worth to an almost like an unbelievable amount, right? Because imagine if you invested like a hundred grand, or no, no, not even a hundred grand. Let's say you invested ten, no, no, twenty grand. Maybe like eight years ago into Tesla, that would be multiple six figures right now, right? Think about that. A one-time investment of like twenty thousand dollars, like five six years ago, would be a multiple six-figure net worth value. And you could also think about Bitcoin, right? Because here's the thing as well: Bitcoin is labeled as a Capital asset by the U.S. government, right? So it's also an asset. So if you had invested twenty grand into Bitcoin five six years ago, guess what? You'd probably be—I don't know the exact price of it five or six years ago—but you'd probably actually be like a seven-figure net worth right now. <laughs> That's what you got to think about. Is You need to stop focusing on the now, the purchases of the now, and invest for your future. Buy things for your future, because real estate, crypto, stocks can just drastically escalate the amount of money that you have, right? And if it escalates to the point where you could literally retire off that money if you were to sell it, right? And the best thing about all these assets is that if you hold on to it for, I believe, longer than a year. You'd only get hit by the capital tax rates by about fifteen percent, eighteen percent, right? Depending on when you actually watch this. So that's something to think about. You need to stop focusing on oh, I need to save all my cash into a bank account that does not give me any interest. I need to put my money into something that's actually going to 
give me assets that will grow in wealth, right? Instead of putting things into cars that literally just drop in value, right? Like, here's the thing, right? I've seen people who make maybe like a hundred grand per year drop like sixty thousand dollars on like a loan, right? From a dealership, right? So that's more than half of their annual income, and they drop that amount of money on a car that's just gonna burn their money. So something. Walmart to create a fintech startup with investment firm behind Robinhood. And since we're talking about Robinhood, you could actually go join Robinhood down below, link a bank account, and you could get a free stock worth up to five hundred dollars. So Walmart said Monday that it's creating a fintech startup with Ribbit Capital, one of the venture capital firms behind Robinhood. The big box retailer did not share the name of the new company or say when its services will be available, but it said it will develop unique and affordable financial products for Walmart employees and customers. Shares of Walmart were up 1.5% on the news in after-hours trading on Monday. Walmart's market cap is $416.7 billion, and the fintech startup will be majority owned by Walmart, and its board will include several company executives, including Chief Financial Officer Brett Biggs and Walmart U.S. CEO John Ferner. Walmart said it will also name independent industry experts to the board and may acquire or partner with other fintech companies. For years, millions of customers have put their trust in Walmart to not only save them money when they shop with us, but help them manage their financial needs, Ferner said in a news release. And they've made it clear they want more from us in the financial services arena. With more than 4,700 stores across the country, Walmart interacts with millions of customers each year, including some who don't have a relationship with a bank or a financial advisor, but somehow they can never have more than one lane open. 6% of adults don't have a checking, savings, or money market account, according to the Federal Reserve. About 16% are underbanked, meaning they have a bank account, but also use alternative financial service products like a money order. Those Americans are more likely to turn to short-term solutions, such as a pawn shop or a payday loan, which can lead to additional charges or high interest fees. Walmart already offers some financial services for customers. For example, it has Walmart Money Card, a prepaid debit card that customers can load with money and use for purchases. The card has some features that encourages money management or help people who may have a challenged credit history such as no overdraft or monthly fees and no minimum balance requirement. The retailer also offers alternative payment plans for customers on a tight budget such as Layaway in Affirm, a fintech company that allows customers to buy an online item immediately and pay in installments. Which, the problem with this, right? Walmart is a great place to get stuff for cheap, right? But, these sort of things, these sort of products are also what basically keeps people who are in poverty poor. So Walmart's co-owner of the new company, Ruby Capital, has a history of investing in fintech companies. Its portfolio includes a firm, Robinhood, a fee-free investing startup, and Credit Karma, a company that offers consumer-friendly tools like free credit score checks. Check out 40inbox.com to master your money personal finance lessons and courses, 
And do you want to make money online? Learn the four steps to make money online in the description of this episode. Get a free stock worth up to $500 by joining Robinhood and linking a bank account. And automate your investing with Acorns down in the description below.